Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today, we've got a great high school sports compliance story. But first, a story from my name is Fifield. Owner of a restaurant wanted me to spy and tell them what was wrong with the restaurant, so I did. Not a super juicy one, but I wanted to write it out nonetheless. I've never been a manager before, but I have my bachelor's degree in management. I just started at a new restaurant. I've come from several corporate companies, but this place was a second store of a mom and pop company. I've always been a server, but I was hired as a bartender, important for later. In the interview, the two owners tell me that they're looking to make the place more professional and turn some things around get hired on the spot to come in the next day. I come in, no one knows anything. I'm not on the schedule, my trainer is late, there isn't a manager, and the owners are nowhere to be found. When I actually start working, I'm just thrown in, expected to make drinks, take orders, know the kitchen, everything. No biggie, I jump in and do what I gotta do. Some highlights, the staff are drinking alcoholic drinks on the job, not measuring any liquor, giving out free drinks, not checking IDs, and close the restaurant two hours early, etc. The next day, the only server scheduled for dinner shift is running late. The morning server asks me to fill in until he gets there, so I end up just covering the entire floor, about 10 tables, by myself on my second day in training. The owner tells me over the phone how awesome I am for jumping in and covering this, and I'm exactly what they need to fix the restaurant. On day three, they call me into the office to check in and see how everything's going. I tell them that I'm confused and I need recipes for the drinks, since only one bartender knows any recipes. They ask me what I've noticed is wrong, and tell them what the other bartenders are doing that's not supposed to happen. I tell them honestly about the lack of controls, the lack of recipe cards, and the closing early. They blame it all on the bartenders and thank me. Tell me that I need to keep an eye out and stay in touch with what's going wrong in the bar. Cue malicious compliance. I tell them straight up that the problem is the lack of management. 
that if they want recipe cards, training procedures, or drink standards, that they either need to do it themselves or pay a bartender manager wages to do it. That it isn't the bartender's fault that these things are wrong and they needed to step up. After a long, unproductive, unprofessional conversation, the owner told me to get out of his restaurant right now and never come back. So I did, and I took the other two bartenders on shift with me, leaving them with no one in the restaurant to serve. They wanted to tell me that I'm too ignorant about running a restaurant, but they get to figure out how to run their own restaurant now. I'm actually kind of astounded at what's going on here. Did they really think, like, the staff of the restaurant would just kind of run itself? Like it can, if you hire managers who manage everything. If you had a job like this where the pay was actually good, but the owners were totally MIA, leaving constant chaos and even having you have to pick up shifts left and right, would that be worth sticking around, or is that just too much? Let me know in the comments down below. And by the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has awesome stories like our final story of the day from Storyteller Eclipse. Fine, I won't be a captain. In my high school days, I participated in both short distance running in track and field and long distance running in cross country. Another long story short, the coaches of both teams played favorites, and I was handed the short straw time and time again. It was kind of bad in track and field, but it was even worse in cross country. My first two years, I had a coach in cross country that made the juniors and seniors the favorites, regardless of their skill or effort, and, for the most part, ignored and disregarded the work of the freshmen and sophomores. Though a flawed system, I realized that I would be her favorite eventually if I stayed with the program to be a junior and senior and maybe finally get some support and acknowledgement to help fuel my efforts in the team. Welp, the title of coach switched hands and when I became a junior, my coach quit and the coach of the boys team merged our girls team with the boys team. SOL for the girls in my year I guess, but this coach at least did things a little differently and gave more support to the other girls that were actually putting in work and cracked down on the lazy seniors, juniors from last year, that were used to getting all of the praise for doing nothing because of the way the last coach ran things. This new coach, however, let's call him Coach K, lacked prior information about the team and how it functioned. There was another problem I had in cross country that was remedied a little bit with my old coach. I was socially excluded from the team because of a dumb, fake-it-till-you-make-it mindset that most of the people in my area followed. If there was a problem, they just pretended it didn't exist and just hoped it would somehow fix itself. I didn't follow this mindset and had a struggling social life in general because of it. When I was upset, I'd show it and try to fix what was causing it, which was a social no-no in my team. So most of the other girls wouldn't bother interacting with me. I'd be forced to run alone as a result of this, which was against the rules because it was dangerous for running 3-8 to eight miles in the wilderness with little to no cell phone service at times, our normal daily practice. My old coach drew attention to the fact that I was in danger and forced other girls to run with me. It didn't solve my social life problem, but it made my run safer at least. This new Coach K, however, just wouldn't hear that I wasn't breaking the rules on purpose and that I try to run with others, but they would find ways to ditch me, leaving me to run back to the starting point by myself. He would openly harass me for returning alone and breaking the rules. 
no matter how many times I reiterated that it wasn't my choice to run alone. Him and his assistant were also too quick to punish and had no clue how to handle the girl problems girls had. My old coach was a woman and so naturally understood our reproductive cycle and what it can feel like. If someone claimed to have a girl problem cramp and needed to slow down, she'd heed it and let us walk for a while. When it came to periods, it would either make you run a really good one because of the hormones, or it would slow you down significantly because of the pain. So it was a wild card and how it could affect you. Sometimes girls would get their periods in the middle of their runs and would need help to get the materials and support they needed. Coach K didn't know how to handle these situations and would crack down on girls and boys that were running too slow for his liking, even if one of the girls had an emergency regarding her girl problems. My distaste for him and his assistant coaches grew when one of his assistants berated me for staying in a public restroom for too long along the trail we were running. He literally timed me taking a dump and said that 10 minutes was too long and that I should be taking running more seriously. I called him a creep and he berated me some more and Coach K never helped me. In fact, on a different day, he too berated me for having an earbud in when he had an earbud in at the same time. Do as I say, not as I do kind of stuff. I still hung in there after these incidents because I thought they would come out of this new coach funk and that there might still be a chance for me to have a good junior and senior year. All of this reached a breaking point toward the end of my junior year and the beginning of my senior year. I was ditched at a team event and my mother happened to be chaperoning for the team and was driving the two bullies that had taken the only girl that tolerated my existence and ditched me with her. My mom tried to comfort me on the way home in the car, which the bullies overheard, and started screaming at my mom about how wrong she was to assume I was telling her the truth about their bullying. The girls got so loud in the car, my mom could barely focus on driving. So finally, she raised her voice and told them to shut up or she might crash. When we got home, my mom had an email from one of the bully's moms and it tore her and I to shreds, calling her belligerent and threatening for telling the little craps to pipe down and that she would be going to the coaches to report both her for being threatening and me for being a pathetic liar. I posted about this event a long time ago on r slash entitled parents. The coaches treated me even worse following this incident, having sided with the bully's mother. Still, I did my thing and ran, but with little to no support, I struggled to get any enjoyment out of running anymore. There was one more thing I was clinging on to at this point, the chance to be a captain my senior year. I have a natural will to guide and redirect and I became a little bit of a mentor figure for the younger runners, especially when they had issues the coaches couldn't fix. Usually it would be the captains to give most of the knowledge about actually running races and fun skill facts you can use to win races. And after years of listening to seniors after seniors of captains telling me the key facts to long distance running, I was confident I could be one too. And that maybe that would make me feel good enough to still try to run well for the team. However, as you can tell from the title, that didn't happen. They told me the reason was that I reacted to bad things too negatively and that I had to work on being more positive before they made me a captain. I knew what the real reason was, but I just shrugged my shoulders and nodded, immediately proving them wrong, not like it made a difference. The problem was that the only seniors left were me, one of my bullies, let's call her Azzy, 
that witched whined and cried crocodile tears to get the coaches to favor her, and one girl will call Nat. Nat was an inspiration because she had willed herself to be one of the best in the team, despite the lack of stability from the coaches and older generations stomping on her. Despite being an inspiration, she was not confrontational and wasn't a very good leading figure. She focused on herself and made herself better, but she struggled to be a support for the younger girls where it really mattered and would just try to spread her knowledge by action alone. That wouldn't be so bad if she wasn't the only captain the girls could rely on because God knows a bully like Azzy wouldn't help them. Oh yeah, of course the coaches made my bully a captain but not me despite sticking with this biased crap show for 4 years, with the only other person to do that being Nat. I wasn't the best runner at this point but I was far from being the worst. So we had two bad, unbalanced leading figures to give advice on how to warm up and run races to the younger runners, with me being the only senior denied the title of captain. What were they thinking? If I had a guess, maybe they assumed I would just keep guiding the other girls and help them, and let the other two seniors take credit for it. Well guess what? I'm not a captain. Cue malicious compliance. I continued to run in the team, but only did it for my own personal pleasure. I forced myself to no longer think of the team and leave it to the ones who were named captain. Sure, if one of the girls had an emergency, especially with girl problems or became lost and came to me for help, I would be a decent human being and help them. But if they were asking for help with anything else or wanted to know something that I knew, I'd tell them to go to Nat and Azzy. After all, I wasn't a captain. Sometimes they would come back and ask me again, saying that the other two weren't helpful. That's when I would suggest joining track and field instead, where I was, in fact, made a captain for my dedication, knowledge, and skill, where the support group was much more promising. Sure, the track and field team wasn't perfect, but the cross-country team had fallen so far from where they were in terms of caring for each other that the other team looked like the pearly white heaven gates in comparison. They'd most likely still be able to run the same way too, just with better support, as well as more exciting and less tedious workouts. The coach started wondering out loud most days why so many girls were quitting, completely ignoring the fact that they were offering less and less support and Azzy and Nat couldn't pick up the slack. Meanwhile, I thrived in track and field and saw the other girls that had quit cross country excel and find new passions in hurdles, long jump, high jump, discus, shot put, and pole vaulting. I was able to guide them as a captain there, and our track and field team kicked the world's butt until COVID came to kick ours, but that's another story. The coaches finally figured out what was going on during one of our last meets. I believe it was the semi-finals, if memory serves, a very important meet. As we were getting ready, Azzy wanted to warm the girls up using a path I knew would be risky. When I say risky, I mean there's a really good chance to get carried away or overwork yourself for a warm-up or be too far away from the actual meet to hear the announcements in case your race came sooner than expected. Nat didn't have the initiative to argue, and so they went that way. I decided to go a different way that would be safer. I was going to be ditched anyway and returned back to our tent to find I was the only one who had made it back yet. No big deal, we still had a long while until our race was on, except, no wait, the time of our race had changed and it was now in 20 to 15 minutes. 15 minutes till the gun usually meant we would go up and do drills on the starting line before the huddle? 
and then the start of the race. So I went ahead and finished my drills rather quickly. It was now five minutes till the gun and the others still weren't there. It was time for the huddle and the coaches to give their pep talks. Coach K ran up to me with a panicked look in his eye and asked frantically where the other girls were and why they weren't with me. I simply shrugged and said, I don't know, I'm not a captain. The girls made it there, exhausted, one minute before the gun. They didn't really have a girls team the next year. So although Nat and Azzy are not necessarily the greatest teammates at all, I think it's pretty clear to say that this is all on the coach's shoulders for being so incompetent. Let's be real, the fact of the matter is the coaches probably just didn't care enough for the girls program or the girls in the program. It just sadly seems like that's the way it goes with girls sports a lot of the time. The stuff the coaches did here was just clearly not only totally biased, but they just needed to do way better. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another compliance story that was absolutely crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.